I sure appreciate uh, our worship band our, and Dusty leading us in worship. I just want to say a word of thanks, too, to our staff. I, I appreciate our staff so much. I could go on and on about each of them and how I appreciate them. Uh, but I, I will go back to about two Sundays ago, the 22nd of December. I was to be here and preach and catch a plane at 2.30 out of Kansas City. Of course, you need to be there considerably earlier than the, than the flight takes off. And, and uh, the weather was bad on that day. And I was texting the staff that early that morning, you know, trying to, to figure out what to do about the services that day and worrying about my family being able to catch that flight. And uh, Dusty said, Kevin, just go. Just go and we will take care of it. And uh, I am so appreciative of, of that and uh, that kind of service-minded spirit that our staff has and, and their ability to, to do that. So I'm, I just want them to know and I want you to know how much I appreciate them. I was talking with a fellow just recently and he made a statement that all of us can identify with. He said, I'm finding in my Christian life it is a whole lot easier to talk the talk than it is to walk the walk. Can you identify with that? I know all of us can. It's, it's so true. We can talk about living a holy life and putting God first above everything else, but when it actually comes to doing that, it's a lot easier to talk about it than to practice it. The same is true with loving our neighbor. We can talk about loving our neighbor. We can talk about turning the other cheek, but when it comes to doing that, it's easier to talk about it than it is to do it. And the same is true with the subject of forgiveness. We can talk about forgiving those who offend us, but when we are the one who has, has been uh, offended deeply, and we have to give forgiveness, it's easier to talk about that than it is to give it away. And that's actually what I want to speak to you about today. Our need to forgive those who have hurt us. This really is a good sermon to begin the new year with. My only regret is that there aren't others here to hear it. Because it is a sermon that every one of us need to hear. You remember last year from January to the end of September, I preached to you about the life of Christ. And we took an approach chronologically. We looked at his life chronologically, and I, I want to pick that series back up today, and it is my hope that by the end of this fall, we will complete that series. And that in itself gives you an idea of, of the content of Jesus' life as it is covered in the Gospels. For nine months, we covered the first two and a half years of his ministry. The next nine months, we will cover the last six months of his ministry. That's, that's the amount of, of material that the gospel writers cover as they're looking at these last six months of Jesus' life. My thought is, there is no better subject to preach on than that of Jesus Christ and his life. 
We need to get to know Jesus better. And I just want to remind you, each week as you come here and you look in your bulletin, you will see the, the, the Scripture text at what we will be looking at for the next week in the sermon. And my encouragement to you would be, sometime during that week, be sure to read that Scripture text, and it will help you be better prepared as you come here on a Sunday morning and you hear the sermon preached. Today we're in Matthew chapter 18. As I said, Jesus is now in his third year of ministry. He has just six months left before he goes to the cross. This teaching that we're looking at today on the subject of forgiveness is so important. In fact, I think it would not be an exaggeration to say that this is some of his most important teaching. It is so applicable to our lives. In fact, I preached this sermon last week at my brother's church in the state of Oregon, and I was absolutely amazed at the number of people who came forward at the invitation time and also the number of people who went out the door that morning and they were saying to me, I've got some issues with people in my life and I need to address those issues. This sermon will speak to you if you let it. I'm thinking of what Jesus often said in his teaching. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so my prayer for you and for me today is that we would hear the message with our ears and with our heart. Probably there is going to come a time in this year to come that somebody is going to be offensive to you. It may be a little offense, it may be a big offense. When that happens, you will be faced with the challenge of what to do in that situation, of letting go of that offense, or grabbing hold of it, and becoming bitter. I hope and pray that you will choose to let go. And if by chance you are entering into this new year holding on to a grudge against someone from the past, I hope for your own soul's sake that you will choose to let go. In Matthew 18, verse 21, Peter asked Jesus a question. He said, how often shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now I must tell you, the rabbis of that day were teaching that if you forgave your brother three times, you were really doing something. Three times for the same offense, you were really doing something. Uh, You were going beyond that which was expected of you. So for Peter to say to Jesus, shall I forgive my brother seven times? He really was going the extra mile. He was in fact off the charts in the area of extending grace. But Jesus' answer to him must have completely blown him out of the water. He said to Peter in verse 22, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And I would imagine Jesus would have had to pick Peter up off of the ground at this time, along with the other disciples. It was a teaching that would have absolutely floored them. 
And so my first point to you is simply this, the reality of, of the life in which we live, we will be offended from time to time. Mark it down as the truth. This year, 2014, you will be offended by somebody, probably several somebodies, probably several times. People say things. They do things that hurt us. It would help if we didn't wear our feelings on our sleeve and if we didn't take everything so personal. But even if we don't do that, still, there are going to be times in this year to come that people will hurt us. It's just a part of life that all of us deal with. I met a fellow at my brother's church on Christmas Eve evening. His name was Michael. Michael's wife had left him and the three kids just the day before. He was devastated and he was offended. He, they had been having problems and he had told her, please don't leave the kids right before Christmas. He said the same thing happened to him when he was little. His parents split at Christmas time and it was something that tore his heart out and he was reminded of it every Christmas. And he was saying to her, please don't leave now. Well, not to his liking, she did leave. And he knew in his heart his kids were going to have the same heart-wrenching feelings that he had for so many years. The fact is, people are going to offend us as we go through life. Sometimes those offenses come from family members. Other times, those offenses come from people at the workplace. I'm mindful of my own brother in law, Stan. He worked a job in Joplin, he put his whole self into that job. He dealt with Lots and lots of people across the Midwest, he worked for Tamco, and he would, he would drive uh, or fly to, to different facilities of Tamco across the, the Midwest, and, and he worked with people in those facilities. He prided himself in his ability to get along with people. And there's one lady in the corporate office that for some reason did not like him. And I have to tell you, my brother-in-law Stan is a hard person not to like. He's very servant-minded, he's funny, he's happy. He goes out of his way to try and help other people be happy and to serve them. But for some reason, this woman didn't like him. And I'm wondering in my own mind, maybe she didn't like him because he was so happy. She wasn't a happy person. She complained against him to the management. And her complaint was an outright lie. You know what her complaint was against Stan? She said, he made a face at me through the window of my office. 
and it was labeled as him harassing her. And so for the next several weeks after that complaint, he had several meetings with the management trying to defend himself and his job actually, it was a surprise to me, his job actually was in jeopardy over this. He thought after a few weeks it was all behind him. They actually had to sign a paper that put him on probation. But when Tamco had a layoff a couple of months later, Stan was one of those who were laid off. 61 years old. Now he's without a job. They've lost their health insurance. The company was putting money into a 401k for him. And now that's all over. And overnight, his life and my sister's life has drastically changed. You think Satan is right there trying to take advantage of that situation to bring them down that road of being bitter and angry? You know he's there. He's an opportunist. That's how he works. He never misses a chance to try and bring destruction into our lives. And I want you to know, no one is exempt from his temptations. The preacher is not exempt. The missionary is not exempt. I was reading in Guidepost magazine recently an article about a preacher, a missionary, who's whose wife was killed in an auto accident. The driver of the vehicle that she was riding in fell asleep at the wheel. That driver happened to be the leader of the mission which this preacher and his wife had started in Africa. They would go to Africa a few times a year just to check in on the mission. They would come back to the States. Their main role was to raise finances for the mission in Africa. And so one of these trips to Africa to just be there at the mission which they had started, the one whom they had hired to run the mission is the driver of the vehicle who fell asleep at the wheel and the preacher's wife was killed. And in this article, the preacher is writing about the struggle, the struggle that he had for years towards that man. Blaming him for his wife's death. Again, no one is exempt from Satan's temptations. Every single one of us have been offended by people, sometimes little offenses, sometimes Big offenses. And sometimes those offenses come from people even within the church. Maybe you remember in Philippians chapter 4, Paul had to admonish two women in the church at Philippi, telling them to stop fighting with each other and start getting along. The fact is, we will be offended in this life. The bigger question is, what will we do with those offenses? I I don't know if you got to see a recent episode of 60 Minutes, maybe a month ago. As they were looking back at the Sandy Hook 
shooting that happened just a year ago. And also they were looking back to several years ago when the fellow walked into that Amish one-room schoolhouse in Pennsylvania and started shooting. And they were dealing with this question of how do you forgive when this kind of thing happens to you? Well, that's a tough one. And I hope and pray that I never have that kind of an offense against me. A year ago, I had someone hurt one of my kids emotionally really bad. And that's been hard enough for me to deal with. I can't imagine having to deal with this this situation of someone killing my child. We were, were over uh, with my brother and his wife for about 10 days and, and we were over in, at the coast and we happened to run across the lady. Actually, what, what caused us to begin talking with this lady, she had this cute dog. I mean, cutest little dog you ever seen. And my, my brother and his wife, they like dogs. Uh, they, like a, they have a house dog and, and so they started talking with this lady and and talking about her dog, and it, it led to a conversation of her daughter had been murdered not too long ago. And so, yeah, there, there's people everywhere that have offenses against them. Big offenses, sometimes little offenses. Let me give to you a second point, the requirement. We must forgive. Notice I didn't say we should forgive because that leaves a little wiggle room. We, we know we should, but sometimes we just don't want to forgive. In fact, there are times that we feel like we have an entitlement to be mad and bitter at this person. You, you just don't understand how badly they hurt me, we say. They deserve for me to be upset with them and bitter towards them. Well, it may seem like that from a worldly perspective, but the last time that I checked from this book right here, we don't live according to a world's standard. We live according to God's standard, and God's standard says we must forgive. Jesus said to Peter, we must forgive 77 times. Now, does that mean that we're counting? We count the number of offenses against us by a person on up to 77 times. I have to forgive this person, but on the 78th time, I'm entitled to crush him. No, that isn't what Jesus is saying at all. What he's saying is, you just keep on forgiving them. Just keep on letting go of the offense. Forgive as many times as it takes. Isn't that consistent with what the rest of Scripture says? Let me, let me read to you from Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. He says, So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. 
That's pretty tough. You know, just being honest with you, if a person sins against me seven times in one day, doing the same thing against me, it's not within my fleshly nature to want to forgive that person. Three or four times, maybe. But by the time number seven comes around, I'm ready to pound on him. And yet Jesus says, no, it's not to be that way. Jesus says, forgive them every time. And I want you to notice the context here. This is something, as I prepared for this sermon, that I had never put together. The context in verses 1 and following is that of stumbling blocks. Jesus says, if we don't forgive our brother or sister who offends us, then we are liable to be a stumbling block to those who are weaker than us in the faith. And I'm thinking in that situation, particularly of my kids. And and the same would be true for you. Your kids, my kids, they are watching us in how we are going to respond to the person who has offended us. They are watching whether I am going to hold on to a grudge or whether I am willing to let go of the grudge. And according to this passage of Scripture, the one who is weaker in the faith, if they would see us holding on to that offense and becoming bitter towards that person who has offended us, then we are liable to be a stumbling block to our own kids. Now, I don't want to teach my kids how to be bitter. I don't want to teach my kids how to hold on to a grudge. On the other hand, I want to teach them how to let go. I want to teach them how to forgive over and over again. And you know they are watching you to see how you're going to respond. And note too, verse 4, it says that we need to forgive the person who says, I repent. It's our tendency to try and judge that person as to whether they're sincere in their repentance or not. And it would appear to me that if someone comes against me seven times in the same day with the same offense and they come back each time saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going to be wondering whether they're really sincere or not. Jesus says, don't worry about that. You just forgive them. You just forgive them over and over and over again. And if there's any judging to take place, he's the judge. We're not. I like the disciples' response to Jesus in verse 5 in that same passage of Scripture. They say, increase our faith. Is it any wonder that they said that? That's what it would take. For us to respond with that kind of grace and forgiveness. And so maybe we need to say with his disciples, Lord, increase our faith. Help us to have the kind of faith that would take you at your word and forgive those who wrong us. And to be able to forgive them over and over again. Let me read to you a couple of other passages instructing us to forgive. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. 
I mentioned to you, this, this teaching is prevalent throughout Scripture. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. It's, it's very clear. It's in the form of a command. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. Let me read to you Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That leads me to the third point in this sermon. The motivation for forgiveness is we have been forgiven a debt that we could never pay. For a moment, let me take you back to Matthew chapter 18, where we first started. Peter has asked this question about how many times he should forgive the person who has offended him. Jesus answered him, not seven times, but 77 times. He then goes on to tell a parable, which we have labeled in our Bibles, the parable of the unforgiving servant. It really is quite a story. I want to encourage you to read it, particularly if you're not familiar with this story, you should read it. It is quite a story. A fellow owed his king a terrible, terrible debt. In fact, it says that he owed him 10,000 talents. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot to you and I because we don't have that kind of measurement in our day and age, a talent. But let me tell you about what a talent was. A talent in Jesus' day was around 100 pounds of whatever material it is that you were talking about. Mostly they would, would use Gold or silver. So we're talking about 100 pounds of gold or 100 pounds of silver was one talent. So we are talking about a debt here that was owed the king that was an impossible debt to pay. I looked in my Bible and in that one of the pages there I had written the figure of 5 million $760,000 was equivalent for one talent of gold. And Jesus is, is taking that particular figure and he's multiplying it by 10,000. I actually tried to figure that on my phone, on the calculator on my phone. $5,760,000 times 10,000, my calculator on my phone would not even figure it. It was too great a number. We're talking about an impossible debt. This is what he owed the king. And he's pleading with the king, saying, give me time to pay. Have mercy on me. And the king... What he was going to do, he was, he was going to sell the servant and his family and all of his belongings to collect on this debt. Certainly, he wasn't going to get what he was owed, but at least he would get something. And this guy was pleading for mercy. 
Give me time. And so what does the king do? He forgives this fellow the entire debt. He wiped it off of the books. The guy was set free from his debt. And so he he dances. He, He walks out of the presence of the king. He is happy as can be. And what happens? He sees a fellow servant across the way who owes him 100 denarii. A denarii, you may know this, was equivalent to one day's wage in Jesus' day. We are talking about a very manageable debt. This was a debt, though, that was minute in comparison to what he was owed, what he owed the king and what he had just been forgiven. He goes to this fellow servant and he demands payment of this 100 denarii and in the same way this fellow servant begs for mercy but there is no mercy shown he demands payment right then and there and when the payment couldn't be made he throws has this fellow thrown into prison My, oh my. Why couldn't he have shown the same mercy that he had just received? And the teaching surely is clear to each and every one of us. We are to forgive because we have been forgiven. We owe an impossible debt to God the Father because of our sin. And yet, He has shown mercy to us. He has erased the debt if we have put our trust in Jesus Christ. He has freed us from that debt. And therefore, we should offer the same grace and the same mercy, the same forgiveness to those who have offended us. In the 60 minutes special that I spoke to you about earlier, it was inconceivable to the media that forgiveness could be granted, could be granted to the shooter's family by the Amish people in Pennsylvania. And it is really inconceivable, isn't it, from a worldly mindset? And even as a Christian, when I hear or read of that kind of a story, It's just absolutely amazing to me. Because it goes so much against my fleshly nature. But I am not to be ruled by my fleshly nature, and neither are you. We are to be ruled by the Holy Spirit who is in us, and He wants us to. To forgive. He wants us to offer God's grace to those who have hurt us and offended us. And the only way that we can do that is to submit to Him and remember the unpayable debt that He has cleared us from. Listen, brothers and sisters, when you have somebody hurt you badly, and it's, it's hard for you to let go of that. 
just remember that you helped hammer the nails into the hands and feet of Jesus. And God has forgiven you of that if you have put your trust in Him. And that should be very good motivation for us to forgive others. One final point. It comes as a warning. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. Let me read to you from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, that's, that's very clear. If we're unwilling to forgive, how can we expect forgiveness to be granted to us? It will not happen. Let me read to you Mark chapter 11, verse 25. This one may not be quite as familiar to you as, as the last one that I just read. Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, this is Jesus talking here. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. It's a message that is consistent throughout Scripture. If we want forgiveness, then we need to offer forgiveness. It doesn't matter whether it's, a, whether it's a little offense or whether it's a Sandy Hook kind of offense. We must forgive if we want forgiveness. And that doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's over and done with in one effortless prayer. God help me with this and, and then we should expect that it's all Behind us, no, it, it, we're talking about a battle. And oftentimes the battle will come again and again against us. We give it to Him and then we tend to want to take it back from Him. What we need to do when that happens, we need to give it to Him again and give it to Him over and over again and know that His Holy Spirit is in us and He is working in us and His power is immeasurably more than what we would ask or think. And He can help us have this victory. If there is vengeance that needs to be taken, He is much more capable of exacting vengeance on those who need it. He is the perfect judge. We are not. So could I encourage you in this new year to come to give all of your offenses to Jesus. It would be a whole lot better for you if you would do that. This article that I spoke to you about earlier from Guidepost Magazine, the preacher whose wife had been killed in this auto accident. He, he went for years with this grudge. And God was working on his heart through the truth and through the Holy Spirit. 
And he said, finally, he reached a point where he knew what he had to do. The next trip to Africa, he went to this fellow publicly. Had actually a memorial service in the spot in which the wife had been killed. And a number of people had gathered there for that service. And the preacher got up to speak. And publicly, he turned to this fellow And he said, this is how I have felt against you for so long. And I want you to know I'm giving it to Jesus today. I forgive you. And I ask you to forgive me for how I have felt against you. And this fellow said when he offered that, when he asked for forgiveness from that fellow, It was like a heavy weight being lifted from his shoulders. It was a freeing experience for him, he said. And he sensed the pleasure of God shining down upon him. Made me think of a time a few years ago, actually probably two or three Christmases ago, I sat down with someone in my family, in my life. And I did the same thing to that person. I said, I have been harboring some feelings that I know are not Christ-like. And I need you to forgive me. And though I had not had those feelings for a long period of time, it was, it was still too long. A few months. And when I went through that experience and I asked for forgiveness, it was like a burden lifted from my shoulders. And I felt Would you bow your heads in prayer? As we sing this invitation time, you need to be praying. You need to be asking God, is there anybody that I'm holding a grudge against? If so, determine with God's help to to get right with that person, at least do what you can do to make that relationship right. The rest is up to them. And in most cases, it doesn't even matter anymore who's right and who is wrong. It only matters that you honor God by giving your grudge to Him. And so, use this invitation time to get right before God, to determine to get right with your fellow man, and to determine that in this new year to come, you are going to be a person who lets go of offenses instead of holding on. 
maybe as the song is sung today, you would want to come just use these steps down here, this, this stage as a, as a place to bow before God and use it as an altar and just talk to Him. Pour your heart out to Him. Let's stand and sing together, please.